Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. Today I'm going to be joined by David Flatman. Thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, and if you're not already a subscriber, please go back and subscribe if you like it. And if you've got any more time after that, why not leave us a nice review? You can also follow us at The Rugby Dungeon. In addition to that, we've got Facebook pages and a Facebook group. They're both at The Rugby Dungeon. Very imaginative. And as always, we are sponsored by our good friends, Field & Flower. Field & Flower deliver high-quality, grass-fed meat direct to your door. Go on the website, have a look at the various boxes available to you, or if you're a bit fussy, you can fill up your own box with a choice of 170 cuts of meat and fish. Then simply sit back, wait, and your box will be delivered direct to your door. Use our code RUGBY20 at checkout to receive your immediate discount on your first box. And that's it. Just delicious grass-fed meat direct to your door. Okay, enough of that. Uh, I'm going to be now joined by David Flatman. So if you're wondering why people up and down the country keep on returning to rugby clubs even after they've finished playing... It's because occasionally you bump into a guy like the guy that I'm interviewing today. So, hello, David Flatman. Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. What are you up to then? Um, I'm sitting on my sofa at home, uh, two tired dogs by my feet, looking out of the window into the garden, hoping my wife is going to cook me some food. Fingers crossed. Like most blokes, probably, across the country. Exactly. Um, Have you just come back from, from Africa? Have I got that wrong? You haven't got it wrong, no. I went. Um, I think r- rugby players end up with kind of a, a, a touring drive in them. When you retire, you stop going on tour, of course, and um, tour is one of the best bits of being a rugby player, except the rugby and the, the relentless training often ruin them <laughs> a bit. So we go on a lot of lads' holidays, and um, we've got great wives. My wife, my wife's a legend, and she's like, you know, you go on these trips, you've got to go on one a year or two a year or eight a year, whatever I'm, whatever's going on. Um, but we always tend to go somewhere as a group of lads and just, you know, drink so much and spend so much money that we come back feeling horrific and then having to be dads again and do school runs again and, you know, halfway to bankruptcy. So we thought, why don't we actually go somewhere where we have a really good time? Yes, have a few beers with each other and a bit of male bonding and all that time and all that stuff. But we, we went to Zambia and went on safari five oh, nice. of us. So, couple of lads who never played, who weren't rugby players, but um, Matt Powell, the old Worcester Warriors and Quinn Scrum Half. Yeah. Guy, he looks a bit like Freddy Krueger. Um, and Danny Grucott, um, who's got no chat whatsoever, but is quite handy if anything attacks you. Yeah, so, but um, does he need any chat? No, he doesn't really. No, he's he's no, he's a sort of cardboard cutout, is Dan. But um, useful to have around if anything kicks off. Absolutely. Uh, how is your safari? Really good, really good. Um 
we went out on game drives. We were there for five days. We went out on game drives every day. You know, um, you can kind of do what you want when you want. And we did. We saw everything. We saw a leopard actually sort of jumped out of a tree towards us because it wanted us to move. Oh, and um, the lads thought it was hilarious because I went from being um, a sort of supposed sort of tough guy to uh, screaming like a little baby and asking the asking the guide kindly to remove us from that situation. <laughs> I think I went a bit high-pitched because I thought I was going to die and Al- everyone else was laughing at me. Al- um, alpha male to beta male pretty quick. Yeah, something like that. We did a bit of fishing on the Zambezi. Didn't catch many fish, which I was actually quite happy with because I don't really like fishing. Oh, um, I love Don't fishing. really like catching them. We- so... Um, uh, we went on rugby tour to South Africa to watch the Lions uh, last last time they were there. And I, uh, ki- I kid you not, we were in one of these safari truck things in the middle of the night because apparently uh, the best time to see these things is actually at night, not in the day. Yeah. Uh, and the guy driving it stopped, got out of the truck and actually picked up a chameleon on a leaf. How's that for eyesight? That, yeah, that, then it's nuts, isn't it? It, um, it is. It's crazy. But then I, I spoke to our guide, who's a great bloke called Chris, and I spoke to him and um, I said, how do you see all this stuff? And he basically said, mate, what else is there to do out here? Yeah. Nothing else to do. We don't look at smartphones. We don't do all that stuff. We sit and see animals. It's all we see. There's no cars. There's no buildings. There's no nothing. And I thought, good point, actually. Uh, Makes it sound a bit less impressive, but it was impressive to us. Uh, it's massively impressive. It's very yeah. impressive as well when you compare it to like the British pastime of shooting small game. Yeah, absolutely is. Um, not not a massive fan of that. Um, I'm not kind of aggressive, ban everything that everyone's ever done, but it's just it's not my cup of tea. No, no, no um, I've, I've yeah. tried pheasant shooting uh, very unsuccessfully. I, I, I didn't get didn't get a thing. I don't think I could take it to the next level and uh, you know get a gazelle or something. I, I just don't think don't I don't think it's in me. No, I think I, I'm not sure. I'm the same. I went on a. Um, Going back to Danny Grucott, he loves. He won't surprise you to know that he loves killing and um, <laughs> anything really. Yeah. And um, he goes stalking and all sorts of stuff. And does he? Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah, he's, he's mad for it. But he, you know, everything, everything that gets hunted gets eaten, and that makes me feel better about it. That's kind of an unwritten rule for me. Um, well, I but, guess there is a sort of hypocrisy, isn't there? Kind of yeah, eating the meat and not being willing to hunt it. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't I don't particularly like killing. I've gone shooting a couple of times. I've got a couple of pheasants and we ate them. I actually brought them home and ate them at home. And, you know, that I can, li- I can live with that in a sense. But the main thing for me was that I'm not a very good shot. So they're going to, it's not mm. humane because I'm likely to injure them and not kill them straight away. Mm. Um, someone like Dan doesn't really injure things. It just happened because he's very good. But everything gets eaten and all that sort of stuff. So it's not just killing for sport. It's... It is sport and it is fun and it's recreation for these people. But as long as it gets eaten, I'm all right with it. But these days where they're shooting hundreds and hundreds of ducks, surely they're not all getting eaten. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm just not. I'm not really up for that. Well, that's kind of why I like fishing because fish don't scream, they don't cry, they're emotionless. Just kill them, kill them and eat them. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I don't really like it. We did catch a couple and um, they were you know catch and put back in, and I kind of think, well, what's the point? We could we could easily eat these for dinner, but they went back in, and I kind of feel bad about wrenching something up with a hook in its mouth and then sticking <laughs> it back in the water. But, well, it depends what you're into. Yeah, I suppose it does. Yeah, um, but it was during the day, so it's not really my scene in daylight. <laughs> uh, so, just explain the uh, the tweet that you that you put up because I'm pretty sure I saw you in a bath with uh, a, 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 a a couple of your travelling buddies. Yeah, well, it's it's a mate of mine who um, runs this 
this lodge in Zambia and I've actually got a couple of mates. I'm really lucky to have a couple of mates who run lodges in Zambia and the Royal, the Royal Zambezi Lodge is particularly uh, special. So he got us over there for a few days Wow. whatever. And he said, do me a favor, mate, and send a tweet out for us um, saying you're coming here. And I said, mate, no one's going to care if I'm coming or not. And he's like, well, you know, do it anyway. So I did it as a favor because he's a great bloke and, I sent the tweet out of this super romantic sort of honeymoon setup they've got on their <laughs> website. And I said, I can't wait. You know, I'm rooming with Danny Grucott. I can't wait for a nice a romantic trip to Zambia. You know, then after a few beers on the last night, we thought about recreating that image only with with both of us in the bath. It wasn't a very big bath and we're both quite big units. You, you, so you I, are big units. I, well, I got in first, uh, which was a mistake because um, I thought I don't want to be sitting on Dan. I want, I want to be able to, Oh no, I'd definitely go the other way around. But I'd want to control what's beneath me. It's like being in the ocean. So I was, I I got in first, Dan climbed in second. It's not the first time I've been in a bath with Dan, you know, that isn't really a problem, but he's so big that like his, I'm taking up the whole bath already. He gets in and his legs have to effectively, they're almost at one point, his ankles are on my shoulders, if you can imagine that. Boys will be boys. And I'm thinking this isn't (laughs) great. So he puts his feet down. And then at the end, as soon as the, my, the lads took the pictures and left, I was like, right, Dan, let's get out. And he goes, I'm not getting out now. I've got to wash my hair yet. Can you imagine if you're on your back and you wash your hair in the bath, it's because you slide yeah, your ass. I can forwards. imagine exactly what happens next. So I had, the full, I had the full landing gear right on the right cheek there. So that was pretty tough. To be fair, but, to be fair, he has spent years putting his cheek on your ass. So it's yeah, he has. Sort a of, bit of payback. Yeah, exactly but right. It's amazing how, you know, like you hear about people who see their kids about to get run over and they can pick up cars and that sort of thing <laughs> dan dan is probably 125 130 kilos and he, wow. as soon as his his ass and his man garden hit me in the face i did actually manage to lift him like he was a little puppy just as his strength came to me well i mean you're not a small guy yourself in fairness well i mean it was i became superhuman for that second it was um yeah, it was survival. It, it was it was pretty physical, but yeah, you know, boys will be boys, and um, it makes sense, doesn't it? It's eco-friendly, saving water. Yeah, something like that. It's just good science. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so, you've been at BT Sport now for what for the best part of two years? Well, actually, the way it works with me, not that it's terribly interesting. Is oh, it is. I'm, I'm not. I'm not actually contracted to BT Sport, so I'm contracted to perform who create the show for itv that we do the highlights oh. Jordan smith so having a contract with two is a nice idea but it doesn't really work because they're very very friendly with each other and they share footage and rights and that sort of stuff and yeah. it works really nicely um but what eventually would happen what ultimately would happen most weekends is that i would get the same emails as everyone else saying flats you're at this ground doing this or you're at this ground doing this and i would have to say oh, i can't do that because I'm doing the ITV show that day. Can oh. I do another day? And then they're rejigging everybody. So what they tend to do, and I, I sort of appreciate this hugely, and it's it's actually we've been exchanging emails today ahead of the new season. They will actually, I'll actually send them, or my agent will actually send them a load of dates when I'm free, and they just slot me into a load of those. So it, it kind of works. It almost works better for me than... Um, having a contract with them, to be honest. Um, although security is nice and all that. And being a rugby player teaches you to crave that, I think. Yeah. I've, I feel like I'm not craving it. I don't crave that since I retired, um, strangely. But I, um, or potentially boringly, but I, um, the way it works is great. And I get, a, I get a load of stuff, a load of work from BT, which I love. Um, they're a great set of people. 
um, the the people you see on the screen and the people behind the scenes are just great people. Yeah. Um, so I love working for them, and I think they know that, and there are probably you know better or different or more exciting newer options that pop up every now and again, but they still seem to stay loyal, which is something I really like. And mm -hmm. um, rugby types tend to like, but also I think they hopefully they enjoy working with me almost as much as I enjoy working with them. So it just works really nicely, and they can call me and say flats. I know you'd rather do this, but can you do us a favour and do this? And can you get on a plane to Newcastle? And I'll say, yeah, mate, that's, no we can do that. But also because I'm not contracted to BT, now and again, if I've got a wedding or whatever, I can just say, I'll, I'm going to skip Sunday. If you don't mind, I won't do that one. Yeah. Whereas the other guys are kind of applying for leave and negotiating. I can kind of move in and out as I, I see. please, as it were. So it it's, I'm, I'm, very i'm very wary of tempting fate because it kind of works perfectly at the moment but um you know who, who knows but uh I, I love it the way it works at the moment it's all very the, the chat is very open and free and flats we don't need you here flats we need you there and i'm i'm uh, ready to do it so it's, it kind of it kind of works nicely yeah i mean i'm fortunate enough actually to have met most of the bt lot through my through the other podcast egg chasers and yeah I, what's got me is although everyone has a good time. I think you can tell that from the coverage. You can obviously tell there's yeah. good chem chemistry between the whole lot. It's how hard everyone works. Like uh, we went down to watch the filming of rugby tonight, and they run through it twice, but twice before they before they even do the show. Uh, oh yeah, like the work it's like a, huge. It's like a one or two o'clock p.m. You start work and you, the show starts at eight. I think something like that. I just assumed they all went on there and had good banter, and that and that would be that. No, but completely no, not, wrong. You, I mean, you yeah, it's a lot of rehearsal, and it's and it's a lot of it's a lot of work. I mean. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's like when you're a rugby player, you're not allowed to say you're allowed to say it's hard work, but you're not allowed to say it's like a job, because then you're ungrateful. Yeah. You know, um, it's like a footballer saying he's depressed or unhappy somewhere. What have you got to moan about? You're living the dream. Yeah. Of course, that's all a load of bollocks. And rugby is a job. It's a very hard job, and you spend a lot, just as much time staring at laptop screens as you do running around with your mates playing touch. You know, it's very very difficult job. There's a huge amount of pressure that people who play on Sundays don't feel people who play sort of Sunday league don't feel the same pressure and that people say it's the same game. It is. And it isn't mm. it's, there. There is a, there is just whether, you know, people sometimes get annoyed by this comment, but I stand by it. You know, I love Sunday club rugby as much as I love premiership rugby. So that isn't the point, but when it pays for your house and your kids food and your car and your wife's clothes, it is more important. That's I can it. only imagine it's more important. It's, there's, there's more, it's, it's more, there's more at stake. It doesn't mean you try harder. It just means there's more pressure. There's more at risk if you fail or underperform. So, you know, there's it's when I, I'm I'm getting around to the point of saying, you know, being a, a pundit or a commentator is work. It's great fun, but it's a lot of work. And you know, it's you make a choice: do I watch every game or not? Yeah. And you will know, JB. You'll know when you watch people. You'll know if they watch loads of rugby or not when they're punditing and commentating. Oh, absolutely. You will know if they're bluff if they're bluffing and. Bluffers get caught out. Occasionally, you can be such a legend that you can get away with bluffing it. Mm. But there ain't many of those. Uh, there ain't many people who are indispensable in any game. So what happens is you end up watching a huge amount of rugby and you say, well, that's not exactly hard. It's not, but, you know... You've got to do try, it. Try watching nine games every Monday for eight or nine months of the year. It's not. I'm not saying it's difficult. It's not difficult because you do it sat on your ass with a coffee but you do it relentlessly and you don't, you know, it's, it sometimes takes two or three or four days to get them all in because we've got kids and other, other jobs to do and life takes over. And I, you know, I, 
I spend a lot of time where I am now on the sofa. Again, I'm not saying it's difficult. I'm just saying it's kind of repetitive. I spend a lot of time watching BT Sport recordings on Sky Plus mm. once my family is all in bed. So I'll often, I'm often pressing play on a rugby match at 11 o'clock at night, um, knowing that you know my kids don't sleep, unfortunately. So 5 a.m. is about as good as it gets. Yeah, well, so, you know, it, but you have to do it because if you turn up having not done it, everyone can see. Oh, absolutely. And the other side to that as well is, I mean, you're one of many retired players, and I think a lot of retired players would love to have the role that you've got, that Ben Kay has got, that Austin Healy's got. So it's very competitive. And, you know, if you're not on your game, like you say, you, you will be found out. We find out, even with the podcast, if we haven't watched, you know, a good a good majority of games, it, it, the whole thing's pointless. Absolutely pointless. Yeah, and, you know, it, it is very competitive. And everybody, first of all, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of retiring players think they want to do it. Um, the truth is that not a lot of them do want to do it. So not a lot of them, when they get going, want to do it Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the whole season. So I've, I mean, I've since I was eight, I've never had weekends to myself. I've always had a rugby match. I've mm. always gone to the rugby at weekends. So you retire and your kids go to school and you're growing up and that sort of stuff. And the only time my kids are at home all day is Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. And I'm not here on Saturdays and Sundays. I'm never here. So or very rarely. So yes, I get to do school runs during the week and I do loads of what you'd call primary care and I have loads of great fun with my kids and my schedule is the envy of some of my mates that work in banks and all that sort of stuff in London. Mm. But I don't get weekends with my family. It doesn't happen. So um, that's not a complaint. I'm just saying actually when it boils down to it, a lot of wives and kids want their daddies back, <laughs> you know, yeah. and husbands back. So, and it becomes a bit of a schlep. So Matt, you know, Matt Dawson, um, started with BT and he just didn't, you know, he stopped now and he had a, I'm sure it's none of my business what these, anyone else earns, but I'm sure he's on a great wicket and everyone thinks everyone who's on, you know, on TV doing stuff is the richest man in the world. That's a load of rubbish, of course. Yeah. But you know, whatever, whatever Dorse as a legend of the game was getting paid, which would have been, he gave it back because he said, I can't do this anymore. Not he hates rugby. He loves rugby. He still does the five live and that stuff. He loves it. We sometimes exchange texts about different things. Like he, he genuinely loves the game, but he, do you know what? He wanted to be at home with his wife. He wanted to be at home. Yeah, and it's not just oh, she started complaining. He started complaining. He didn't like it, and fair enough. Well, I suppose. He, what was he like? For, like, is he quite forty yet? He's probably thir- thirty-eight. Yeah, forty right? by now, I thought. Yeah, but you are right. I and mean, he's basically worked every weekend since. Well, since he became a professional rugby player. Yeah, and it's that's a lot of weekends, and it's it's fine. I mean, I I love it. So, even just today, actually, this afternoon, I've booked in the first what I'm doing for the first eight rounds of the season. So it's all booked in and got the little diary things that I I'm useless, mate. So my agent does it all, and I literally have a button. I just press accept on my phone. Yeah, and she's like my best mate as well. So I'm not I'm not like um, speak to my agent, darling. <laughs> she's actually like my most aggressive critic. Um, sent me an email today saying who the I won't say the F word on your podcast who the fuck do you think you are and I said yes you're probably probably right on that one um so she's pretty she sorts my life out for me so I now know what I'm doing for eight round I, I don't look at that and think oh god weekend's gone again so I think brilliant great crack so which games have you got scheduled then for you for, for your first eight I'm doing um Twickenham doubleheader of course on round one mm-hmm. um you're going to test me now. I think we're at Ashton Gate uh, round two. So I think in Bristol, which will be great. Now, is that their first home game? 
I think it must be, yeah. That'll be brilliant. That'll be great. Um, I think I'm at Chiefs the day before that or something like that. Anyway, that that's that's when my knowledge runs out. I know where I am week one. I think I know where I am week two and the rest I've forgotten. What, How about that? What, well, what's your view on the London doubleheader? Um, it's an odd one because it doesn't seem to, in Saracen's terms anyway, it doesn't seem to result in inflated crowds at Allianz Park, which I find odd. That but will come eventually, though. You've got to think. Any, sorry? Uh, you, I mean, you've got to think that's going to turn itself around soon, though. Yeah, they've been doing it a while, though, mate. And I, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not saying that. I mean, it, that is a negative. Mm. But I think it's about the only one. And I think, I actually think they're pretty fantastic. Actually, the Wembley ones and the Twickenham ones, the big games. I think they're brilliant. Think of all the new eyes and the kids that come in to watch these games. And someone said to me, um, my neighbour, you know, if if you're not Bath, he hates he, he hates everything about you. So if you mention <laughs> Sarries, he virtually spits on the ground. Yeah. He hates everyone that isn't Bath, and he probably hates Bath most of the time as well. And um, he said, well, they just give tickets away to kids. Ridiculous. I said, that's a great idea. Well, you know, that's a great idea. You want to, I mean, frankly, being brutal about it, you want to get what the marketing departments up and down the country are talking about is, you want to get kids hooked on your team as quickly as possible because you never swap teams. Yeah, And once true. you're in, you're in. So hook them in now and they'll have season tickets for the next 50 years. That's the idea. It's a really interesting one. I love the spectacle. I, I love it when Premier Rugby... Because what Premier Rugby has over almost every other sport in the UK is they don't mind putting on a big show and whether it be taking the teams to America or whatever it is, they're yeah. damn good at it. Yeah. But would you say the double header is, say, better than the first home game for the Tigers or I mean the first home game for Harlequins that's a wonderful stadium with a wonderful atmosphere and I just wonder if you lose that maybe doubleheader should be kicked I'd, back to I'd, week two or something if you want to if you want to grow the game I think you make the big games as big as possible uh, so you can introduce as many new people to it as possible mm. and I think that means round one because it's just a bigger occasion than round two that's the way it is so you know as a player would I as a purist, actually, just as me, JB, there you go, just there you as are. me, w- would I rather go to Welford Road for round one or the wreck or King's Home? I'd rather go to one of those than Twickenham. Yeah. But it's not about us. It's about the people who are, don't know much about it yet or don't get to go to one game a year or two games a year or the rugby fans who only ever go and watch England once or twice a year in the Six Nations. That's all they ever do. It's about them. Mm. We're already in. So it matters what we think, but we have to be open to new things if we want to grow it beyond us. And if we love the game, we should want that. So I think those days are fantastic. And now and again, the atmosphere pant dies a bit, but that's because it's a crap game. Yeah. If it's a great game, it's a great atmosphere. It's nothing, you know, and sometimes crap games just happen. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the spectacle of moving it over to Wem- Wembley or Twickenham, probably more Twickenham than Wembley, to be fair. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm I mean, all I, for I, it. I probably feel like that. Cause I, you know, cause I, prefer to come to Wembley but I the best atmosphere that's why I think it depends on the game the best atmosphere I've ever experienced at a rugby match in fact the best atmosphere I've ever experienced in sport I would say and that's not overdoing it because I didn't go to the Olympics um, was New Zealand Argentina in the World Cup at Wembley it was just astonishing it was just astonishing the atmosphere that day yeah Um, when the Argies did so well it was just there were people in the stand I was in the proper you know fat cats um, looking the other way, padded seats area, the corporate area where no one cares about rugby. Mm. And everyone was just electrified by it. It was oh, just it was fantastic. And 
So Wembley can do a job too. Do, do you know what's really on my radar? If they get good, and they will get good because they've got so many good players, they can't help but do it. But going over to watch um, Haguarez or Jaguars, yeah. as, as, as Jaguars. normal people call them. Um, yeah, don't go, don't do that on me. You don't, you don't say Biarritz, <laughs> do you? Just say Biarritz, like everyone else. No, 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 no. no. I, you got to say Haguarez because it's it's so ridiculous. It's Jaguars. Um, yeah, it's the Jaguars. Yeah. When they get good, I think a trip there is going to be magnificent. Yeah, and I think it's vital that you go, and I think it's vital that I go with Mark Durden Smith. Oh, um, okay. well, it wouldn't be the same. I mean, what would be the and point? I think it's vital we all fly business class, don't you? Hundred percent. Well, yeah. actually, if you're looking for um, if you're looking for a trip, uh, you should be sent over to uh, All Blacks Island that's coming up. In, yeah. That that's got to happen in uh, Chicago, and whoever mm. the in fact you might be the man in the know here. Who's going to take the Premiership game on in the US? Do you know? No, don't know. Um, no idea. Is it still going to happen? Do you, do you know that? Don't know that either. Oh well, those. Do you know what? Those I'm are two occasions. Lunch with the guys from Premiership Rugby tomorrow in town. Who are you? So um, if I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll find out tomorrow, and then I won't tell you. How's that? Oh, that that'd be superb if you don't no, tell you're me. You're welcome, mate. Cheers. So, <laughs> you get a big game, say like the double header. What kind of what kind of prep do you do for the double header? Well, for for any game really, it's sort of similar. Um, if you watch all the games. Mm-hmm. Um, or pretty much every every minute of every game. There's a lot of fast forwarding between actual. You know, you, you don't need you don't need to hear too much of. Um, interesting. There, there are some pundits that I will watch, commentators that I will watch the whole eighty minutes because I'm so interested in what they say. And I'm not I'm not much of an asker. So what I'm not going to do is tell you who I don't listen to often. But I, Benny Kay and Austin, I will always listen to the full eighty minutes because. Do you know what? It's funny you say that. I think Austin. Because um, he's quite, he's quite a jokey, jokey character. Doesn't get nearly enough credit for how good he is as a pundit. Yeah, he's, he, a, he's the best pundit, I think. Oh, I, I think, think he's so. the best one. And I think Ben isn't far. Ben isn't. Ben isn't behind. Ben is as good. I think Austin is. Everyone has different opinions, you know. So he's a sort of guy. I mean, Stuart Barnes is. You know, he's a sort of guy that all the rugby players, not all the rugby players, most pro players don't like Stuart Barnes because they disagree with him. They think he's aggressive or. Whatever. Yeah, I always thought he was brilliant until he slagged me off once. Then I thought he was awful. How um, dare he! But unfortunately, he was right, as my dad said. He's bang on, mate. Don't you reckon? I said, yeah, <laughs> you're right, dad. Um, but I, I always thought he was brilliant. And Austin, what what I want is I wrote an article about it recently. That, um, but about the football pundits during the Euros, and there's they, you know, there's massive opinion about these guys. I'm not saying I'm an expert because I'm not. I've been doing it five minutes compared to most of these guys. But what I want from a pundit or a commentator is I'm tuning in to be entertained. So I'm not saying tell jokes. I'm saying I want to have fun. Mm. Um, and I want to learn something. I want you to tell me something I didn't know. So someone like Glenn Hoddle, I had this really aggressive guy on Twitter saying to me, he's a football genius, don't know what you're talking about. I said, yeah, you're probably right, mate. And he was a great player. He might have been a great coach. But I want him to tell me something I don't already know. I want him to explain something to me. And I've watched five games so far, and he hasn't done that. And I want him to. And I'm not saying I hate the guy or he's awful. Sure, he's great. You know, lots of people think he's great, but he wouldn't have the gig. I just want to know stuff. Danny Murphy, I feel like, tells me stuff. Yeah. Austin and Ben tell me stuff. And I think that is, I'm going to nick that. I'm going to use it. And I'm going to think, I'm going to claim it as my own. Well, do you know what? It's funny you say that because I've not actually been impressed with any football punditry since probably someone like Martin O'Neill, who I thought was really passionate, really knew a lot about the game. Everyone else, they seem to talk in cliches about, oh, uh, well, you know, he's that's someone, he's entitled to go down and just nonsense, which I yeah. don't really... I think, I think it's getting better, though. I think... 
no, it has to. People aren't, people aren't tuning in here about football, but I, I love it. I think Thierry Henry, for me, was the biggest disappointment on Sky because I'm, I'm an Arsenal supporter. I'm a pretty loose supporter, to be honest. Mm. But he is just like my absolute hero and um, or one of my absolute heroes. Just love watching him play. And on Sky, I just think, oh, my God, this is just so bland. I'm, re- I'm gutted. Gary Lineker properly wouldn't let him off the hook and asked him question after question. I thought he was fantastic during the Euros. I thought Alan Shearer is just better and better all the time. And Slavin Bilic was the revelation for me. I just thought he was so watchable. Yes. I loved I loved watching him. Well, He well, was great. And Roy Keane. I mean, Roy Keane's the man. He is the man. Uh, I don't know. I, he's, I love him. Something about, uh, something about Roy Keane, which I don't really warm to. Don't, Mind you, you don't, don't need do to be that. warm. I, can't, I don't warm to him. Come no, on. that's true. He'd be the worst bloke ever to have a uh, dinner with. Yeah. Uh, one-on-one but who cares about that he's an absolute nut job i love it <laughs> uh so did you know when you're doing like say you've got uh quinn saracens right uh, yeah do you ever do anything like phone phone around some of the players who'll be who, who'll be playing try and get a little bit of inside information about how the camps are prepared anything like that i do a bit of that i do a bit of that every now and again um what what I don't what I'm not comfortable doing I'm not saying anyone else does this but what I'm not comfortable doing is asking for um I don't feel I don't feel the need I'm not a journalist I don't feel in my mind that I'm a journalist so I don't yeah. feel the need to break news and mm. find out stuff that people don't already know I don't need to find out information people don't know so for me that isn't my job my job is saying what I see and there's a balance between you know, because I've got mates in every squad, probably. Um, actually, they might not like me, but I like them. Yeah. Um, I'd have a mate in every squad or a couple of mates in every squad. And it will always be that way because even when the guys I played with and against retire, I do so much filming and features, so many features, all these guys, that you actually click with some people. Mm. Um, you know, never had a conversation with Carl Sinclair before. Did a feature with him a couple of months ago. Sort of what a top bloke, what a really, really top bloke. And we really got on well and you get on well with this guy and this trainer and this coach and all that. So now and again, I will do that. But there is, in my mind, for me, there is a fine balance between, you know, because I, I have to, I have to criticise that person if they play poorly. Mm. I have to. And I'm not a very aggressive guy on the mic, but I will say when things, when I think something's crap. Okay. Uh, it's, it's my job to say so. It's what I'm there. I'm, I'm paid to do that. And, I'm willing to criticise or compliment anybody, but it, it does get, it can get awkward, I think. I, to be honest, I struggle to feel awkward. I very rarely feel awkward in life. Mm. But it can be awkward for other people where we have a 10-minute chat the day before the game and we're mates and it's all pally. And then I say, well, this was awful on the day. And they might think, well, hang on a minute. So I don't want to get into the realms of anyone thinking they're such good mates with me that I can't be honest about them on TV. Yeah. Um, so I I don't, there are only certain people I will contact because I know they keep it pretty real, you know. And again, I'm not after what happened to Joe Marler's shoulder. I need the information on the other. I don't care. I don't care about that. That's his business. So that isn't my job. That's the job of the journalist or the presenter or whatever. That isn't me. Um, but there are certain, if, if I find something particularly interesting... I will say, how are you going to go about dealing with him or have you spoken about him? And I will, there are certain people I will give a ring for information, but they know, they know after one match whether they can trust me or not. And do you ever get anything really interesting like, okay, we're going to play X team and we've we've got this strategy because we think they are weak in a certain area? Yeah, you do. Um, You know, uh, I think most, most teams say we're going to concentrate on what we do and all that sort of stuff. That's got to be nonsense, though, right? 
Um, I don't think I think I don't think it is. I mean, I, I always felt as a player, not always. I often felt as a player, like especially at Bath, that we were spending way too long talking about the other team. Mm. And I used to just think, like, especially when we played Leicester, because it was a big game. We'd we'd like honestly we we wouldn't talk ourselves out of it. It was like the heavyweight championship of the world, <laughs> and it was like we spend so much time analysing them. I just put my hand up in a meeting once and said, do you reckon they're spending this much time talking about us? I reckon they couldn't give a monkeys about us, to be honest. Like we're not, we weren't that good at that point, which is probably why. Yeah. But I just thought, you know, do your prep and treat them, you know, why, why is any one game five times bigger than another? Why are we putting extra sessions in every time we play Leicester? Actually, I think, I I think it did the opposite of, I don't think it did us any good actually, but um, yeah, I, 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 I will tap certain guys up for information, but I will try not to. Um, everyone I do call for, for tips on things and pointers about why so-and-so's been dropped or if so-and-so's injured or dropped or whatever, that sort of stuff, that, that they all know they can trust me and they will tell me anything and they will know that I won't you know, betray their confidence or whatever. I'm, because part, mainly because I'm not asking for secrets. Um, yeah. Because I'm not. I'm, well, I'm interested. Of course I am. I'm like everyone else, but I'm actually the least nosy person I've ever met I don't I just don't have a burning desire to know everything all the time I yeah. think well I know what I need to know my job is to say what I see and be honest ah, see, um, that's where we differ massively uh, uh, among other things uh, I am incredibly nosy which is which is probably why I'm phoning around lots of uh, prof- uh, rugby professionals and asking them questions yeah it's great I mean I, I'm interested I'm interested it's not that I'm um ambivalent i'm not I, I i'm interested but i'm keen to know stuff um and i love the game and i love i actually love the club game probably more than the international game I've, i always have um the premiership game but i i don't know i just if someone if there's something dodgy going on and someone's been caught doing something or there's a dodgy dismissal somewhere then i'm keen to have a little dig yeah but i won't go out of my way you know mates of mine will often say have you found out anything about that and i'll say uh no Mm. I no, I haven't texted anyone actually. I didn't think of that really. I was just watching telly, you know. Yeah, so I think I'm. You know, maybe I should be a bit nosier, but there's always someone nosy enough to text you all the details if you need them. Uh, so, can you remember your first, your first broadcast at at BT Sport? Sorry, yeah, not BT Sport actually, at ITV because I assume that's where you first did it. Uh, no, the first I first I ever did was Sky Sports. So when I was still playing. Um, so I did loads with Sky before Sky lost the Premiership stuff and BT took over. I went to ESPN, did a lot of stuff with ESPN after that in between. And then with BT, it's gone that way. But now I... Uh, sorry. Sorry, I um, I, I, uh, I shouldn't have interrupted then. Just whilst it's on, uh, on my mind, is this true? Do BT Sport and Sky have a game of rugby at some point during the season? No. Oh... Sorry, yeah, let's put a better story, yeah. It's like Vanilla Ice against MC Hammer, isn't it? They had a big fight outside a concert, and like MC Hammer laid the smackdown or something like that, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, they do, and um, they do, and it's amazing, and it's really violent, and Lawrence scored eight tries. Oh, I heard it was a game of touch, and they play it every year. I don't think that's true, no. Unless you haven't been invited, that'd be more awkward. If it's a game of touch, I definitely would be invited because of my <laughs> natural skill level. Uh, I tell you what, uh, talking about players who you don't necessarily think are 
very skillful. And we know that you are very skillful. But we, we made a joke in front of some of the settle lads. And this teaches you why you should never make jokes uh, about players when you, when, you, when you don't know them. And the joke was basically, Vadim, Co- Vadim Kobolash isn't very good at, good, good at handling. They all he looked is. at us like we were mental. Uh, and then yeah. proceeded to tell us exactly... And by the way, it wasn't my joke, it was uh, Phil's. Um, yeah. Proceeded to tell us why he's A the best table tennis player in the club and B has got probably the best skills outside of Danny Cipriani in the entire sale team. Yeah, he's got great skills. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, I I, I know this, but of course, uh, <laughs> of course, the, of course the others didn't. Yeah, I think we're allowed to make jokes. Well, I say we, when I was a player, I think internally you're allowed to make jokes about your own team. You're not allowed to make jokes about anyone else's team and now you know that. Oh, absolutely. Um, he's got, he's got lovely skills actually, but the thing with props is that the job the body type their body type plus the job they do which is effectively heavy lifting means that not all the time but often your you know your heart rate is so much higher than everyone else's for such extended periods of time because of the job you're doing and your body type yeah um, it means that props rarely get to showcase their skills in compared with other positions and not not because they always haven't got them but because they're just not as you know likely to get their hands on the ball in positions other than smashing the ball in because um, it's a bit wider and they've got to run further and they're a bit big and all that stuff but well I mean anyone's he's, played he's like lovely hands. front row second row knows how hard it is to get up from a scrum and then get to where you need it it's an absolute yeah, nightmare yeah. yeah yeah and it's no different it's no different at pro level you're a bit fitter but so is everyone else so relatively it's exactly the same it's um as playing you know on a Sunday afternoon for the pub team mm. getting up it's exhausting and it's just it's putting the heaviest weight you possibly can on your back and, you know, as if you're in the gym and doing a couple of very, very heavy reps and then running. It's just, it's tough, you know, and that's, it's no no great surprise, but it's just as tough for the opposition. So uh, hopefully, so it all evens itself out. Exactly and right. Big, and big, fat, tired blokes leave spaces for little, quick, skillful blokes. So it's part of the, it's, they're use, it's useful. That fatigue is useful. Uh I'll tell you what, the, the pair of props, that, well, I say pair, the propping group that that impresses me the most with their work rate is Exeter. I, I don't think there's a team in, in the entire country that work as hard within their front, 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 uh, within their front row as them. Yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting one, actually. I think you're probably right. I think... Outside of Thomas um, Francis. Not that I've got a problem with Thomas Francis, but he's not in the same league as, say, Hepburn, who just works. Yeah, but he's 30 kilos lighter, that's why. That is true. Um, and I think I think what you're probably talking about the loose heads there, so Moon and Hepburn. Um, they're they're two guys that they're two. Not I'm not saying they're above everyone else, but if I was running a rugby club, which I'm not and mm-hmm. I won't, um, they would be the sorts of players I would be signing as quickly as I could. Definitely. Um, apart from the fact they're very very good, they're very very touchwood, durable, honest, hard work, like high work rate players, and I love that. Like. Matt Mullins similar, just plays loads of games, does loads of work. Oh. Marcos Ajertz is the same, you know, he's but he's kind of on a different level because he has that work rate. Marcos Ajertz on a good day is kind of indecently busy. Yeah. Uh, but unlike most seriously busy props, he matches that with more power than anyone else has. Yeah. So that's that's quite unusual. Usually you get one or the other. Just from watching Ajertz's performances last year and you you're going to la- uh, uh, you're going to laugh me off the park here. Do you get a sense that he wasn't quite as powerful this year as he has pre- in previous years been? Um, I think he wasn't quite as dominant. Um, there were games when I thought he was superb and didn't he didn't really go forward very much. 
Um, but I think when it, he's kind of a big game player a lot of the time. He still plays well in the, you know, his his kind of the average level he plays at. His sort of mean performance level is very very high compared with most other props. Um, but on a big game, he can produce things that other props can't produce. Yeah. Um, and I think that's all right. And do I think he's losing it? You didn't ask me that. I've asked myself that. I'm now asking the questions and answering them. So you can that's you fine. Can that's a cup of tea. Um, I don't. I don't think he's losing it. I think that he's. Um, I think he's probably had a season that was ten percent less dominant than the season before. I don't know why I've made that number up. It was a bit less dominant than before, but he was still the best loose head in. Europe probably go so far. Wow, that's a big shot. See, I would. He's 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 just he's just fantastic. He is just fantastic because he's 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 selfless as well. So he's not he he could he go and operate in France easily. But a lot of the the big French teams have the big French props are very very macho. You look at Xavier Chocky at Toulon. Yeah, um, you're very very macho, and they want to come out and dominate and blitz everyone and. Actually, Marcos doesn't do that. He doesn't steam forward if his tight head isn't, and therefore, depowering his tight head, he will sit and he will sit in a wonderful position. He's very, very sort of athletic and flexible. He will sit in a great position, which keeps his hooker comfortable. That's interesting, and which, and which keeps his. So, you know, I remember when I was young, I was playing at Saracens, and I was loose head, and Christian Califano was our tight head, <laughs> and we were against Gloucester. And I was against Vickery. Uh, no, I don't know who I was against anyway. And Trev Woodman was playing against Cali. Mm. And the first few scrums, Cali couldn't budge Trev. And um, I was going forward and I was doing all right. So I kept going forward. And we came up from a scrum and I was about to congratulate myself. And Cali grabbed me by the collar and sort of throttled me and said, stop fucking pushing, Flatsy. Stop it. Stop it. And I just said, why? Why? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing him kind of thing. And he goes, I'm not because I'm not. You wait for me. Was that? And I, that, I learned that. That was actually when I learned. That was the first time I'd ever learned that. And I was 20 years old. You know, I'd never knew that before. No, I mean, I, I've got to say, I've, I've watched rugby all my life. I've, I've never heard of anything like, like that. Is yeah. that? Well, on, on opposition scrum, it can, on the opposition scrum, it can be okay. You just yeah. want to find a way to destabilise the back of their scrum where the ball is and all that. But And a bit of ego comes into it. But if, it's, if you're on your ball and we're looking for a right shoulder and I'm playing with Coley and I'm, Coley's looking for a right shoulder because we want to attack right, I've got my guy. I've got my guy on toast. So while I shove him backwards, or well, the whole scrum skews left, we can't attack right because their scrum half is on top of ours. Their open side is closer to our right hand side of the field than theirs. Yeah. Uh, that, sorry, theirs is closer than ours, and you you completely depower your own attack by being macho. So the 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 backs typically don't know that. They just know the scrums tilted the wrong way, but the forwards know, and they'll say, "Stop it. Be humble. You know, be selfless." And not don't push, but hold it steady. So if Coley's not getting a nudge on, often on our putting, it can be detrimental to the team for me to get a nudge on. So I will sit and hold. That's very... I See, I've, I've never heard that. So, you know, taking that a step further, uh, am I to imply from that that in the French leagues, there's a lot more ego uh, trying to prove your worth without actually scrimmaging for the entire team? Well, there well, there are. I mean, there are teams that do it really well. And now, you you know, in the French team, you're finding the props rewarded, like Eddie Benarus, who's not an enormous scrummager. Yeah. Uh, but he's selfless and he's very fit. Damn good player as well. Um, good player. Um, good enough scrummager, probably, or he will be. And Rabba Slimani, who was a loose end, is now a tight head. He is a selfless scrummager. He's just very, very good position. And he... 
Am I allowed to use bad language? You can you do whatever you want. Oh, I won't say it too loud. But Graham Roundtree used to call it taking the shit. So if you're a tight head, you just got to take the shit. So you get yourself in a position, you lock yourself in there. And if it's minging, you just stay in there because there is no way out. And you don't back off. You just take the shit. And Rabba Slimani sits in that hole and like Nicola Mast did before him, and he just takes it. And um, they're rewarding the right props now, I think, over in France. Um, but there's, it's just it's just kind of a lot more sort of overtly almost uh, Latin machismo. And it's not a criticism. It's just less disciplined. And yeah. you see a lot of French loose heads, for example, going around the outside, standing up, all that sort of stuff, because it's not as disciplined in general, the scrummaging over there, because it doesn't have to be. That's why a lot of these massive French scrums come into European competitions and don't dominate like they used to, because the discipline, for example, in the premiership is um, at scrum time is there might be a lot of collapsed scrums, but there is more discipline. There are more people holding the right shape because that benefits the guy behind them. So if I'm standing up and going around the outside, what's my second row going to do? It's just a big hole between me and the hooker. Where's he going to go? It's depowering everything. Yeah. Whereas I get in a selfless position like Ajertza does, like Slimani does, like Matt Mullin does better than almost anyone else. And he stays in a position almost regardless of what happens that makes it easier for his second row and his flanker and his hooker because he's selfless, but also because that gives him more power because he has more of their power more of the time. So... You know, there are games when I think, God, Marcos isn't really attacking this guy. He could murder this guy. Um, and he's not. And he's, But he's not being lazy. I think there are, there are times when you're tight and can't get a nudge on, so you sit and hold. Cause that's what you've got to do. Yeah, I mean, I do think with, with, with Marcos, coming back to the original point, is I, there is an element of when every prop plays him, it's like their cup final. You know, it's like yeah, going against, against yeah, a chump. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, yeah. And that's, um, that's got to play some sort of part. Yeah, and every now and again he'll lose out. You know, he had a couple of rough games against Brian Mujati and didn't we all? But um, yeah, he'll lose out every now and again because they all do. But um, yeah, everyone does. But yeah, people raise their game for him. He's not the only one they raise their game for, but people raise their game for him without question. Mm. And invariably he delivers. He's he's a he's a wonderful player, absolutely wonderful player. And um, you know, but when you go back to your original point, like Hepburn and Moon. I just think I love watching those guys. Moon is Moon is pro Ben Moon is probably the I would say mm, actually maybe Matt Mullin Mullin or Moon would be the ultimate team prop in the Premiership. Yeah, well, I mean, when I've spoken to some of the England boys about you know uh, who you, know, you ask silly questions. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
who's a fittest, who's a, you know this on the other. The, the name Merlin always always comes up, particularly for fitness. They just say oh, painful, mate, painful. I was still playing when he was playing. And he remember he made that tackle, I think it was against Ospreys or something in Europe. Yes, and he runs them down. Uh, runs James them down Hawk. like corner flags, like 50 yards, and gets whoever it is, the winger or something, in the corner. Yeah, it was James Hook. Yeah, I'm sitting... All oh, right, James Hook, right? So James Hook, I wouldn't catch James Hook if I had a shotgun, right? So <laughs> I'm sitting in the meeting with Dave Barnes and Nathan Cat at Bath, and you've got the coach saying, look at this, look at this. This is what we want. This is what we want. Are you boys giving it? Or are you giving it everything? Oh, I'd hate that. And we, hate Barnes it. and I, looked at each other and said, "No, we couldn't do that." We looked at Nathan Cat and thought, "We could, you little, you could, you little bastard." Yeah, he could have done that, but we couldn't. And we're thinking maybe it's time to go, mate. Blokes like this about. I'm glad you mentioned Nathan Cat actually because he's a player I'm very interested, very interested in. Didn't get much of a shout last year because of injury, but the year yeah. before that he was ripping up, ripping up trees. Yeah, and as soon as he's fit this year, he plays. So there's a lot of. You know, rightly, there's a lot of talk about Autorak. He exploded onto the scene. Yep. He's very, very distinctive. He's very powerful and confrontational. Max Laheef, incredible athlete. And these guys have had some really good games. Uh, but Nathan Cat, once he's consistently fit, did get back into that team. And I'm, you know, it's interesting. Being a commentator, when you commentate... So I played at Sarries as well. People seem to forget I played, you know, I, I remember that. Sarries, but... Uh, whenever I comment out on Bath, something funny happens. So if I if I say Bath are brilliant, um, then I get people I get people on social media, generally tongue in cheek, but often not actually, as you can imagine, saying from all the other eleven clubs saying you're biased. This is a joke. They're your old team. Mm. If I say Bath are crap or they're not playing well or something poor, I get Bath supporters saying you're overcompensating. Um, because you're trying not to be biased, it's ridiculous, you're transparent, all that sort of stuff. You get all that. So you can't win. No. But I, I, I can tell you now, and I don't, I can tell you because I honestly don't give a shit if anyone believes me or not. I am neutral, I am neutral. But there is one person I'm not quite neutral about, and that is Nathan Cat. <laughs> um, so luckily I haven't had to admit that live on air yet. But oh, I good. Um, I just think he's, I mean, it. Compl- I'm, he's the one player I'm completely influenced by the fact that he's just such a great bloke. And I just, I just love that guy. He's an absolutely relentless practical joker. He's relentless. I mean, it doesn't stop to the point Ooh. where he gave the Bath rugby kit man the Lions job. He was on the phone <laughs> to him week after week, gave him the Lions job. This guy's flying out. He's flying out. He's booked the time off. What? Everything. Really? Terrific. Oh, Hang oh on. mate, he's, he's, he's oh, the best, no. I'll tell you. That's awful, the, actually. Oh, the stuff he's done. Oh, yeah, the stuff he's done, mate. It's just he is ruthless. Well, I, I think I, I think he's, I think he, he's, he's a candidate to come on the podcast next. And oh, yeah, we, uh, yeah, try it. I mean, he's a great bloke, um, but he's also he is a he is a properly properly brilliant rugby player. And by that, I don't necessarily mean offloads out the back. He can do all that. He's very skillful. He's an he's a gifted athlete. So he's big, strong. And we're like freakishly fit, like a lot of these guys are now. So he is winning fitness tests. He's one of those guys. Yeah. Um, trains really hard, super competitive. Like he will be, he'll be brawling in training if he needs to every day of the week. He's hard. He's a hard bloke. Um, he's very, very tough. But he's also, he's also just lovely and generous. And you know, towards the end of my career, it was seen as my job to help him. Yeah, because I was the old boy and whatever, and he was always too small to be a prop. And now uh, he's not really big enough. He can't scrummage. He's too too light. And he would say, "Flats, what do I do here?" Whatever. And I I I maintain that I got more from him in the last three years of my career than he got from me. And I tried to give him all I could. 
but Barnsley and I, Dave Barnes and I benefited hugely from having him around because Huge he pushed praise. us so hard and he was so much better than us um, that it took us to a different level, which all right was still wasn't a brilliant level, but it got more out of us than any, than we could have got out of each other and just a completely generous bloke. And he, I remember him taking me aside after a session and saying, do you know when you get the ball and do this, you're making it so much harder for yourself. I just do this. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, that is a brilliant tip. That is a that is a world-class tip, you know, and it completely changed the way I viewed, you know, receiving passes in the wide channels, which I hated until my last season or two because Catty gave me this little tip, you know, and it was... That's incredible. I think I just think he's a... I'm completely biased, and if he ever... You can... Whenever he gets screwed in a scrum, I'm not going to say he got screwed. I'm going to say the other guy was cheating. Yeah, um, absolutely. I won't really, I'll be honest, but... He's a guy that if he could just stay fit, he's had some bad luck. If he could just stay fit, because um, few guys work harder than that guy. If he could just stay fit, he is an international class rugby player. He's brilliant. He's super physical, relentless, carries tackles. How old really is he now? Fit. So um, I still think I he's very young. 26, maybe. I thought he was younger than that. For some maybe reason. he is. Maybe he is. Uh, so, um, yeah. well, I mean, he, he's one of many options that Bath have. Um, in the front row. So, I mean, they've got a pretty formidable pack, but I actually said uh, on our last podcast on Egg Chasers, I actually think Bath are going to struggle this year. Why do you think that? Well, I'm like, not disagreeing with you. I'm just yeah, asking. why do I think that? Well, I think that because in the backs of the Vosta Voto, uh, I don't mm. know what the what the crack was with Eastmond. Is, was he going? Was he staying? And then, and then he's gone. So they've yeah. only got Bowden left. And if they bring in a new coach in Blackadder, there's going to be a big transition where this guy wants to you know, build his own systems or do something his own way. And I just think it's not so much Bath are going to be bad. I think that the whole league is so competitive. I mean, we go through the league all the time and we talk about it like who's good, who's bad. The fact of the matter is, we've, we came up to the conclusion that everyone's going to have a bad season. Not because they're bad, because everyone's so competitive. So if you're slightly off... Uh, I think coaching is so important now that you could, that you could be struggling. And I think Bath might have a very similar season to last year. Yeah, I think um, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? But I I, I sort of feel like um, I speak. You know, I live. I don't live in Bath. I live just near Bath, uh, just outside of town now. And um, so I'm old now. Yeah, and it's all too much for me in there. And um, <laughs> I I bump into the lads quite a lot, you know. And um, sometimes it's awkward if I've stuck the knife in on TV but otherwise it's not um, but I speak with them and I spoke to a couple of the guys um, at a really aggressively middle class Patonk competition in Central Bath oh, what competition? Patonk balls you know oh right okay it's what we do at weekends down there of course here, it um, is so it's you know it's all very nice and um, fully chinoed up and I bumped into some of the lads and just said how's pre-season mm-hmm. and they said oh well we're getting we're getting flogged it's straight into it none of this week of admin and bit of stretching getting ready we're day one flogged and I said oh it sounds awful and they said mate it's brilliant the vibe is brilliant boys are loving it bumped into someone else yesterday a couple of lads who, whose uh, kids go to the same nursery as my kid mm. my daughter and um, I said how's the crack and they said mate it's brilliant it's really tough but it's brilliant we're loving it and it's not this isn't something special's happening at Bath this is lads chatting in the car park there's no lies these are old mates of mine you know Yeah. and they say mate it's just a great crack there's all that stuff with Mike Ford at the end of last season. There's all this will George stay or will he go and there's all the Stan Burgess stuff and it was a crap season and it just felt bad. Oh Stan Burgess stuff was a disaster. It was I mean, a I disaster like, but, but in, in a lot of ways. But actually it they said it just feels free and relaxed and they they seemed 
He seems to be having a really good time. I saw Ross Batty at the Butchers the other day. We share the same butcher. Oh, of course you um, And he just said, it's brilliant, mate. I wake up in the morning and think, I'm sore as you like. Everything hurts because it's pre-season, but I can't wait to get in and see the boys. And um, usually that's when he walks out and gets uppercutted by Nathan Cat while he's still asleep. <laughs> nice. So, um, you're, you're... so I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe their, maybe their best shot is, you know, sometimes you have this massive change and everyone writes you off just like, you know, you are. Um, and actually that can relieve so much pressure. And a new coach comes in and you actually you've got a contract, so there's no pressure there because yep. he can't sack you and you actually want to show off to the new boss. You mm. want to show off and get in his good books early. Well, if Todd Blackadder comes, I'm surely he'll be, he'll be coaching premiership matches in his first couple of weeks. I mean, it won't, he, they won't have known him for months in pre-season first. Yeah. They'll be meeting him and then playing. So it will, and it'll probably be, I'd imagine Toby Booth picking the team for a while. You'd imagine if Blackadder's new and all that. I've got to think that's the case. I mean, you know, other... so actually they're showing off to this guy. So maybe that could inspire them. Well, you know? I mean, the other side of the coin is if they are that, if they're if that up for it and they're enjoying work that much, why not just give it to Toby Booth? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but as you say, coaching is so important and I'm not saying Toby's, I'm sure Toby's a great coach, but you know, you need, I don't think you need 20 coaches, but you need more than two. Um, yeah. You need to bring people in. Um, Darren Edwards, who doesn't get a lot of press, I think, I'm guessing he quite likes that. Does, I think he does a lot of one-on-one work with different players and skill stuff and skills coaches kind of, it sounds like jobs for the boys. But it does, to be fair. He, but he is one guy who, whenever you mention his name in front of the players, they say, he's brilliant. He is brilliant. He's a legend. Hope Wales don't take him. When Neil Hatley went with England, all the boys were saying, oh, we're gutted to lose hats. He's brilliant. I hope Wales don't take Darren. And I don't know Darren Edwards very well. I don't I don't know what he does, but they say he's brilliant at his job. And, um, you know, so it's good that for Bath that they've retained him, um, evidently. But I don't know. I don't know why not give it to Toby Booth. I don't know. Um if they really didn't like him, he wouldn't still be there. They must like him. Well, I mean, yeah. He's done, he's done it before at Irish, but I don't know. Maybe they think they I'm know very enough. very successful. They, yeah, and they want... Uh, sorry, I missed that, mate. Uh, and, and also very successful at, uh, at Irish. Well, I, I don't know. I'd question that. Well, he got to a premiership final. I mean, that's that's that's, that's, yeah, that's that, not going. That is good. That is good. But I mean, it, it's... Look at Bath's ambition. Mm. And look, London Irish, he was... You know, this isn't a... London Irish... I love London Irish, you know, like... I was, it's Bob, it's Bob Casey's birthday today, by the way. I hope we're not giving away the date of our recording, but it's Bob Casey's birthday. Oh, I brilliant. think to myself, I think to myself, I would like to have a beer with Bob Casey tonight. He's a great bloke. And Declan Dana, a great bloke. Um, Paul Hodgson and mm. Kendo, they're great fellas. They're genuinely great fellas. Like you'd love those guys, whoever you are. And so I, I've got a lot of time and sort of love for London Irish, but I don't, I, I would query whether they were super successful during that period. I think they got to one prem final the That's... rest of the time, they were a lower league team. Am I wrong in saying that? No, you're not, which makes so it I even think... more so... more impressive in some ways. Sorry? Which makes it even more impressive in some ways. Yeah, but that, yeah, what you're saying is, you, what you did, you and you, I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm just saying this is my opinion. Mm. You said they were very successful during that period. I'm saying ah. they had one good season. Yes. But That's I mean, different. It is, but I mean, I don't Le- think... Leicester are very successful. Sarri's now qualifiers. 
very successful. successful. Yeah, but I Bath, don't... Bath have had one good season in what five or six. That's that different for me. Yeah, I, I don't think you, you you luck your you luck your way to a Premiership final would would be my point. And they haven't looked too smart since he left. So I don't, I don't know. I think I think you're right, and I don't think we luck your way there. I don't think that at all. I don't think Bath lucked their way anywhere the season before last, and they were fantastic. I mean, they were they were the best team to watch in Europe, up or them or Glasgow. They were fantastic, and. You know, so I don't think you luck your way there at all. Um, but I think I think it's too much to say that London Irish were really successful during that period. I think they were a great club, hmm. but they weren't regularly challenging for top honours. So I, I I don't know why Toby Bowie wouldn't be given the main job. Maybe he will get it at Bath. Maybe he doesn't want know. it. Genuinely got no idea. Um, and that's, again, going back to what we spoke about earlier. I see Stuart Hooper two or three days a week in the nursery car park. I could ask him that at any point. He was having a barbecue at my house last weekend. Now, is I he? A- as in- I could ask him that at any point. I will never ask him those questions because I don't want to put him yeah. in that position. And it's it's not my job to find that out. And I don't want to make my mates feel awkward. It's not going to make me any more valuable in my working environment to know who's going to get the head coach job before anybody else. It's well, moving moving that slightly on, then, uh, do you think London? Uh, sorry, London, London Irish. Do you think Bath in in the past have been a little bit top heavy with coaches? Because you had Gary Gold, you had Toby Booth, you had Ford, uh, you had Hatley, and that that was you know that's all the same staff. Yeah, I I I kind of think um, different structures work at different places. What what I felt would work feel would work at Bath it's, it's not what they're going to do and I'm not this isn't um, you know some ex-player thinking he, thinking he knows it all and that sort of stuff what I think would work um, is that there's always seems to be this compulsion to sign rock stars at Bath mm. and even if there isn't that's the perception so the Sam Burgess thing didn't work I was massively excited about that so I'm not going to pretend I wasn't I, I think everyone wait was. to see him play we all were yeah. so Everyone who says they never should have signed him, I'd love to read what they were saying six months earlier. Um, and I read in—I don't know this—I read in the paper they made, they, made, they made a profit on his return. So is that you know, right? Maybe maybe it wasn't a big deal, but uh, a bad deal. But anyway, it did have ramifications and all that. That's not what we're talking about. But I sort of feel like you need really good coaches now. So I played in Bath teams where we had a scrum coach, and you know or. Yeah, where our forwards coach happened to be a scrum specialist. That was Mark Bakewell, who's at Bristol now. Mm. And our scrum just flew. It flew. And we had the same players and statistically had the best scrum in line out, scrum and line out for a couple of seasons running in the Premiership. And it wasn't we were murdering everyone. We weren't. We were just really, really good at what we did, consistently good. And lost out a few times, but generally did well. And then I've also had coaches who are line out specialists but then who don't bring in a scrum coach because they think, well, I know enough about scrums or there isn't the budget or the chairman or the whoever it is, the MD or the CEO doesn't think it's the right move, doesn't want to spend whatever they spend on a scrum coach. And we struggle. The same players struggle because everyone else is moving on month on month and we're yeah. not. Well, I, and I, I, so I, I genuinely think you need, you need specialist coaches now if you want to compete. And, you know, Leicester might not need a scrum coach, but they've got cockers. Yeah. Who, you know, they don't need that. Um, he, and he's a hooker, so he also knows a lot about lineouts. Not every club has that. Dorian, you know, Saints have Dorian West. Yeah. That guy is a mauling, scrummaging, and lineout specialist. So great. You know, and he can also help with the throwing. So he's actually, it's almost like your dream forwards coach should be a hooker because they've done it all. But it's not the way it works. So 
I do think you need certain, I think you definitely need a specialist defense coach. I think an attack coach for me made all the difference when I had a good attack coach and I was a crap attacking player, which is probably why it made the difference. But I just needed to know where to be, where I was going to be most useful. And I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, if you ask me, do you think every coach needs four or five coach? Every team needs four or five coaches. I'd say no, and then you actually pin me down on it, and the answer is probably yes. yes. Yeah. In this day and age, and but what I think at Bath would have, what the, the idea I really liked was my own, which won't surprise you. Oh, um, I've got to hear it then. I thought that um, when Mike Ford was sacked, and when it was all kind of up in the air, I thought that Stuart Hooper retiring gave Bath a golden opportunity, and. Um, to make Stuart Hooper director of rugby. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I actually spoke to the MD about it a bit. We're good mates and all that. And I actually think they were, now I think they were right not to, because I think it was too soon. Um, but I was thinking, you know, along the lines of you make him a director of rugby, what would you spend on a, I don't know who they're going to get in, but say a Blackadder or a Jake White or a Heineken Mayer, you spend so much coin on those boys. And they say they do a really good job and they're here for f- four or five years, not maybe not even two or three they take a load of money and they move on. It's the way it goes, and that is absolutely fine. Yeah. Why not look at the clubs that are doing really well? They've had guys in place for years. Look at Tigers. Look at Saris. Look at Saints. These guys have been there forever. Look what well, Twins have done in terms of succession. So what I was thinking was get Hoops in because he's just the best bloke in the building, um, and you would automatically, I'm sure they'd pay him well, but you'd save money when compared with the Rockstar. Now, what you do with that money, for me, you get him a mentor. So you effectively buy him a mentor. Mm. And if you think to yourself, who's the most successful DOR in the world? I think say, just as an example, Steve Hansen's pretty good. Uh, wow. He also, wow. He also, sorry. Wow. I've, I've got a theory yeah. about Steve, Steve, Steve Hansen. Yeah, I know you, I, I know you have, but he's just I an example. Go that way. It doesn't matter if it's him or not. It could yeah. be anyone yeah, of these I guys. completely get it. Could be a checker, right? Whoever. So, this guy, there is no conflict at all. So it's not a Conor O'Shea who did work at Quinns and now he's in Italy. It's somebody with no conflict, a world-class operator, and you pay them a shed load of money to do one Skype call every fortnight with hoops and three or four meetings a year, either over there or over here, whatever. And you build a relationship and you, you back Stuart to build that relationship and to actually learn as he goes along. Because I think you do that, you get a great bloke in place who's going to be there for forever. Mm-hmm. like a Baxter type or a Cockerell type. He is, he is the person you want to personify the club because he's, he's just a great person. He lives everything you want everyone else to live. But also you just remove loads of pressure from the club by saying, you know what, this is a long-term appointment. He's not going to know everything. In fact, it's probably a lot of stuff he won't know for a while. So are we going to win the league this season? Probably not. Next season, probably not. But we back Stuart to still be here doing a great job in 10 years and that's where we want to do it. We don't have to sign one of, one of the big five or whatever they are. Um, we can do it this way. And I like that idea. They said it's too soon. And I, I think they're probably right. Actually, um, it's easy for me to be you know, generous with Bruce Craig's money. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think they were probably right. But I did like that idea for a while, primarily because it was my own. Well, it is a good idea. But I think there's, well, there's, there's two things. Um, one sort of uh, fits in exactly with what you've said. So I think the salary cap and the fact you can't spend whatever you want on, want, want on players, no matter how hard some teams try, salary cap is mm. going to mean that the play the, the squads are going to get broad. Well, they're going to broadly be at parity with each other. 
meaning that I think the coaching staff is where all the money is going to go into. And you look at Saracens mm. now, they've got um, KPMG doing some stats, or Deloitte, Deloitte, sorry, I keep saying KPMG, uh, Deloitte, they spend a fortune on that thing. And that that's superb because it's pushing the game forward. So if you look at France... You know they're still paying just players without the technical side. So coaching yeah. coaching staffs have to, have to ex, uh, have to expand. The other thing though is directors of rugby. I don't think I wouldn't be surprised if in the next four years we see a director of rugby who isn't a rugby person, because I don't think it's about coaching though. I think it's about organisation. It's going to turn into more of an accountancy role of how do you fit all of those players with, within the salary cap? What have you got in your academy? What can you what can yeah. you bring up? It's going to be a far more encompassing role than purely go out there and scrimmage. I, I absolutely agree with you. And I would take it a step further and say that I think it is going to become a role like that. I think that role is it's a kind of an overlord. So it's a very, very important role. But I still think within a sports team, there is a huge emotional side to that role mm. and it doesn't mean that you're sitting down with crying secretaries and crying tight head props every Tuesday morning but it means that a, a, a place an environment every, in every workplace seems to, every sort of uh, sector professional sector seems to be embracing this at their own pace but embracing it nonetheless now that an environment where people are well taken care of and involved and listened to your you know your contract retention is easier it's more successful people don't want to leave people give you more they give you their discretionary time and effort and yeah you get more out of them so treat people like shit and they will walk eventually or they will stay and they won't do as good a job as they could have done so sport remains the business by which you have to get the most out of a group of men in this case but athletes but the whole business so i would take it a step further and so i absolutely agree but i think on that level i think we are perhaps a generation away, but not that long in the grand scheme of things from seeing a female DOR. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not saying women are better in touch with their emotions and all that. I'm not, but I think often that rug, rugby people in these roles just think, well, it is what it is. Get on with it. And there is a place for that. There's definitely a place for that. But, you know, I, I see my wife is a professional woman and I see the way she operates and the way they deal with things like HR and you think, well, what's HR got to do with a rugby club? I tell you now, everything. It's yeah. got everything to do with it. The way they treat the chef, the way they treated this guy when he got sacked, the way they treated this guy, it's got everything to do with it because the players have bonds with people at the club who aren't just, are not just the players. It's important to them how the whole business behaves and it affects them emotionally and it affects how much they put in and therefore how much the club gets out of them and therefore the results. Yeah, I, mean, I know. So I, 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 I think we're only, it's time. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. I mean, how can you, for instance, plan to play Leicester next week and also make sure that the academy is running smoothly and everyone's contracts are up to date? It, do you know what? It might end up more like a general manager role in American sports than what yeah. we think of now as a coaching role. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't think. I don't think a DOR needs to pick the team. I don't. You know, I don't think the DOR needs to. There needs to be a style of play that ultimately we're talking. You know, the chairman is happy with. And it has to be, you know, so it doesn't take a genius to work out, for example, that the style Gary Gold wanted to play didn't match the style Bruce Craig wants to play, no. you know, and therefore you're going to have a problem. So there are tactical, there are tactical actual rugby jobs for this person to do, but actually, you know, the model I see, I'm just talking about Barb because I was closer to that, but 
can work that way, can work brilliantly that way. You know, it works brilliantly that way. So that's so. But I don't think anyone will copy that because they they do it so well. Um, yeah, I I just I I um I feel like there's people always say the good company is man management. We're good. Man management is you're you're talking about squad being broadly similar physically. Yeah. Everyone's big and strong. Everyone's big, strong, and fit. Now and again, there's someone who's a better player than someone else. That's the way it goes. But physically, these guys are the same. Um, so actually, ask any coach or player at any level of any sport, how important is the psychological aspect of it? How important is well-being, mental toughness? How important is mental engage, psychological engagement, the mental side of it? They'll all bring up a number, which is big, or they'll say it's half of it or it's 90% of it, but they'll all say it's significant. Yeah. Then say, well, all right, how much time and money do you and your club spend on that? Well, none, because it's all bollocks, isn't it? Yeah. Right. It's I... not all bollocks, though, is it? It's actually really important. <laughs> tough one. You know? Tough one. Uh, I yeah. mean, I tend to think I'm. I tend to think I'm. I'm in. I'm in the bollocks camp. I think it's one of those things which is a happy byproduct of a good team, rather than a starting point. No, I. I, I fundamentally disagree with you. That's uh, that is like saying. If we're winning, we've got a good culture. If we're losing, we've got a bad culture. Correct. Yeah, how do you fix that? Go and win. Yeah, basically, yes. I, mean, I, that is, I fundamentally disagree with you. I think you start and start from a great place with a great base mm-hmm. and you build slow. You don't have to win straight away. You build slowly. Exeter Chiefs dis- disprove your opinion and everyone's entitled to their opinion. There's no right or wrong except yours is definitely bollocks. Mm, that's interesting because like if you look at Exeter Chiefs, it's gradual improvements, and the more they improve, you know, the uh, you know the, the the better the atmosphere. I, I I do think. No, it's not. No, no, I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to let you get away with that. They well, don't. They don't seem to be having a better time now than they were four years ago, five oh, years ago. As did, soon as they arrived, they were having a great time. Well, the champs are having a great time. I would say that the most fun squad to be around in the entire Premiership is probably Saracens. I would and they, say that, yeah. And they do a ton of winning. So yeah, they do know. a ton of winning. But also, what do they do behind the scenes? Yeah, well, but how, how much? How much do they? You know, it's not all about. You know, can you feel the love in the room? You know, you've probably done it yourself. If anyone ever has the chance, go and spend a day at Saracen's training ground. If you, there's an auction or a I know. silent a, a thing going on, buy it because that is how to run a rugby club. That is how to do it. Those oh. boys are, the junior players are involved. They're asked their opinion. There are guys laughing. There are senior players taking the piss out of academy players. Then the academy players get to go back and take the piss out of the senior players. They're all part of it. It's They're tremendous. not told, shut up and get on with it. They're part of a movement and... They they were like this before they started winning. They were we all thought it was superficial and temporary, and a big sort of this weird something special's happening at Sarri's veneer. It was real, and they started treating each other really respectfully, actually really involving everyone, getting everyone into the group. Everyone's accepted whether they're different or not, or whether their personality types fit what the DOR thinks a rugby player should fit. Go and win. I just—that's a load of bollocks. You can do well, that for five minutes. You can't do it. Okay, five let's let's let, let's flip the script on this. Okay, we all know, and I think we both agree that winning teams have good, um, good energy, good, uh, good culture, all the rest of it. No, not always. I don't. No, we don't both agree with that. All right. Uh, okay. So, in that case, give me a team who's winning constantly, who have got rubbish culture, and also give me one that's been relegated that's had a good culture. I think. Um... I think it's difficult uh, without betraying confidences. It's difficult. Okay. Um, you know, for example, Bath had a wondrous season two seasons ago. 
mm-hmm. and you'd think that the culture was fantastic. Yeah. There. Yeah. Did the coach did the, was the culture amazing and it suddenly went sour during the summer, overnight. It, it wasn't all amazing. It's easier because you're winning, but it wasn't all amazing. And you know there was nothing sinister happening or anything like that. You know there was no big event. Um, but you know just through because I live here, I get you know you pick up the vibe and it wasn't all rosy at all. And you think, do you know what? You're winning now, but this will crash. And I remember one of the other. I won't say his name because he. He wouldn't. I haven't asked him if I can. Mm-hmm. But one of the one of my ex-playing buddies that I've known since we were kids, and we see each other a lot still now. He still lives in Bath. Um, he said this: it will crash. He sort of works in that field. Yeah. Loosely, he said it will crash. I'm telling you. And I just said, no, mate. You know, they're they're too good. I mean, I've watched them every week. They're too good. And he said it will crash. It will crash, and everyone will be wondering why. I tell you what, yeah. I, I, so okay. that you know, I'm not saying you're definitely wrong and I'm definitely right. I'm just saying that I don't agree with you that every winning team has a great culture. I tell you what, it does where it does make a difference. Okay, winning can it's sort of winning does almost paper over the cracks, and then when you lose, that lack of culture will mean you do do go in do go into free fall. Yeah, but you always lose eventually. That's the thing. Yeah. Everyone loses eventually. Look at Tigers, the best club of the last decade. They've had a couple of rough, couple of rough patches. If they had a crap culture, they would have continued going down. But they were strong and they came through. They came through it because they were they knew they could rely on who they were and what they and they could rely on their their repeated behaviours mm. because people there are directed to and are expected to and take pride in repeatedly behaving properly. Yeah, well, that's all your culture is. And if if you're not, it will it can crash. And Bath crashed and. There's, there, you can give any reason you want. Talk about Sam Burgess if you like, or I think Paul James leaving the club had a bigger impact than Sam Burgess leaving the club. Uh, absolutely but, right. Yeah, but they still got top players there. They still got really good players there. That isn't the only point. It's the whole thing. The whole thing fell apart last season, um, and you know, people. I I'm not on the inside at Bath, but you know, people who are kind of more in the loop than I am were saying, "You just wait. Things aren't right. Things aren't right at the top at Bath." I'm not mm. talking about chairman and MD. I mean, obviously, I don't know Mike Ford very well, but things weren't right, or he wouldn't have been sacked. Yeah, uh, well, uh, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be. You know, so that's that's the way it is. It's not purely results. I just don't believe it is. I think they just. I don't think he did anything hugely wrong. I don't think there was a big incident or a flare up. And I think he just thought, you know what? We don't like the way this is all going. We're well, going to stop it. Well, flats, you're dangerously close. Um, you're dangerously close to setting me off talking about Stuart Lancaster, and that that would take up at least another hour hour of your evening <laughs> <laughs> or are you, are you going to say nice things about him or nasty things about him uh, well I'm on record of, say, of, of saying particularly um, complimentary things I, for the record I'll, do, I'll give you the brief summary I think he's a very nice man and I think that he would do very well in certain circumstances but his approach was completely wrong but let's let's not get into that because that will be you done then right. for a further I, 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 yeah, we, let, we won't get into it you've had one sentence and I'll say one sentence then we'll move on go on then I think he is potentially an incredibly valuable asset in lots of different worlds. Yes, I I agree a hundred percent with that sentence. Yeah, he should. Ten years from now, he should be a very rich man. Really? I yeah, I think he should. Well, be. he already he's is a, a, a very rich he's man. A, he's a high. He's, co- he's a brilliant man. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. That's what I think. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. I said I'll keep you for an hour. You've you've run well over that. Now we've got more to do. Come on. And then, so we've just been talking about culture within Bath, one of my more favourite clubs. However, you did come up against a time where the culture was severely tested. 
And yeah. I can't really talk to you without bringing this up. What was it like when the positive drug tests came through for a couple of your boys? Well, they didn't actually, JB. Oh, um, okay. They didn't. Uh, Matt Stevens had a positive drug test. Yeah. And the separately, the other guys you're talking about refused to be tested. That is actually what happened. Um, ah. So they didn't actually test positive. There are assumptions that they refused to test for a reason. Yeah. And we're all grown ups here. Yep. Um, it was horrific. Um, not, not you know, I'm not being too indulgent. It wasn't horrific for me. It was horrific for me. I'll be honest. Pe- rugby fans might or might not. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for them. They might want me to hate the guys that did it. Yeah. I don't. Um, Alex Crockett remains one of my most treasured mates, as does Andy Higgins. J- Mike Lippman, I've lost touch with a bit. He's gone back to Australia. Justin Harrison... Justin Harrison would lie in the road for you. He was that sort of guy. Yeah. And I would do the same for him. And they remain treasured friends of mine. And they, the whole scenario was ugly. Well, um, how did it, it come about that they got accused? Don't know. We we never knew. I feel like some guys might know. Um, I have a feeling there's more to story than was ever really I, told. I, I've got a feeling that someone... So what, what basically happened was... The Matt Stevens thing is separate. But yeah. the, what happened was... We finished our season, and like every team, we went on a boozy rampage at the end of the season. And you call it Silly Sunday, Mad Monday is what you generally do. Yeah. And if you're really committed, you do a Twats Tuesday as well, but I rarely <laughs> made it to Tuesday. So you sort of do the tic-tac instead of the tic-tac-toe. So we get on a bus and go to London to go to the church, that famous all-day place where all the you know all the other, all the other yeah, teams yeah. will be there normally on a Sunday. And you cut loose like you don't during the season, and you get drunk all day and have a really good time and get a bus home and all that sort of stuff. So we did that, and this is, I guess, I don't know if it was days or weeks afterwards, we are reading reports and being told in whispers and corridors and stuff that there were boys doing drugs on the bus. Now, I wasn't at the front of the bus. I was about five rows from the front. I never saw a thing. I never saw a thing. So I I can tell you now that even after Matt Stevens had been found guilty. The other guys had, I think, either resigned or been sacked after refusing to test. At that point in my life, I'd never seen anyone do snort drugs ever, mm. except on TV. Yeah, I'd never seen it. Matt Stevens, there was a bit of chat going around, and I think his couple of his closer buddies were talking to him about it, and it was kind of to the point of being resolved. I was out with Matt every night for years, every Saturday night for years, parties at his house all the time. You know, he was a big party boy. I never, ever saw him do it, ever. Yeah. Never heard him mention it. Had no idea rugby players did it. Yeah, I mean, on a separate note, I guess, I mean, um, in in my rugby club, and it's a world away, but we did have this sort of miniature inquest about a drugs culture going on. And I was completely oblivious to it because generally speaking, when it does happen, if you're not involved in it, you simply don't know. Your mates come back and they're a bit more lively. You don't know. You You don't know. know. And, you know, it's... Now you sort of think, you know, I'm, you know, you, is someone going to the loo particularly often compared to you? You sort of you, you start looking for things once a couple of mates get into trouble. That's kind of how it worked for me. But uh, we knew nothing about it, and until it happened, and then it was all obviously awful and all that sort of stuff. Um, so apart from anything else, you talk about the whole culture thing. We had a we had a pretty strong base at that point, and. And 
but we had five of our first choice players gone. They were just gone. That's massive. So five top guys gone. Guys who played a lot of rugby every week. Alex Crockett would top... be the last name you'd think, but he'd be the first name on the team sheet. Was he a top, top scorer? Was it, was it Maddox or Crockett? I always got them confused. Uh, Maddox. Maddox top Crocs, scorer, wasn't it? Crocs didn't score many of those little legs. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, these guys had a horrible episode. They're then gone. And we're left there to keep playing games and stuff. And you think, shit, what's going on? So what, what you need then is really, really strong leadership. And what actually happened was that... Um, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I know that Steve Meehan wasn't around very much during this whole thing. Once it kicked off, not actually his fault, I don't think, because he's going back to Australia where he lives for the summer, right? Yeah. Season ends, he goes home from that, you know, fair enough. But he wasn't there. And I don't know if we need him there or not, because we weren't really there because we were on summer holiday, right? So it's kind of an empty club. I know that the team manager... Dave Guyon is a very good bloke. He worked his ass off to try and get to the bottom of it, to try and get through it, to try and help the club. Mark Bakewell, the coach, worked his ass off during that point, didn't go home to Australia, stayed and said, I'm going to be with these guys. I'm going to help these guys. And it's not like he's going to try and get them off the hook if they've done something wrong or prove anything to the world. He just, in the end, I think, I don't know this, I think he actually said to them, you boys need to go. You boys need to not be here anymore. And he loved those boys. He genuinely loved those boys. He's one of those coaches who, to whom we had a genuinely emotional attachment. And he ended up, so that all happened. And Steve wasn't around. He was, Bakes was, and Dave got the team manager was. We're ringing them for info and they can't tell us too much. We're kind of panicking about our mates, actually, before. I bet. Before well, you think about, before you think, you know, before I thought about the badge, I thought about Crocs and Higgy, they're my mates. Well, it also goes back to what you said at the start. When you're playing this game, you're paying the mortgage, you're paying the bills. It's more yeah. than just getting kicked off a team. Yeah, it's more than that. And it's, so it's big and we don't know what's happening. And these guys go, you know, under the radar and that sort of stuff. So we lost five great players. They were, they just so happened to be, was it five? I think it was. Four or five, anyway. Massive personalities, massive among the biggest so we had this big hole and then we, you know, so it's then too late to re-sign players, sign new players, that sort of thing. But then Mark Bakewell gets in, in my, you know, from my recollection and my view, doing a brilliant job with the best, statistically the best forward pack in the, in the, in the league for a couple of years. We all adore him and he gets the boot and we're like, what? Mark Bakewell has been sat. You are joking me. This is like, you die for this guy. I mean, you know this guy for an hour, you die for the guy. It's just one yeah. of those guys. And he got the boot and we don't know, not that we don't know why, I think that Steve Meehan just didn't, you know, and these, these things happen, you know, didn't like working with him and whatever. And he was the director, the head coach, and he said, I want him gone. And I th we think that's how it worked. This is all kind of allegedly because we never quite knew. But that really rocked us because he had been the guy at the club during the whole thing. He hadn't gone home, he'd stayed there and it's he's holding it all together. He's on the phone for 10 hours a day He's with people in person at their flats in Bath. He's helping everyone. At the same time, he's not going easy on them. It's and then he got he got booted out, and it he got booted out at a point where he couldn't sign for anyone else yeah. because um, everyone it was about to, the season was about to start. Everyone had coaches signed, and also it looked like he had something to do with it. Yeah. So I know that afterwards he went for jobs, and they said, "Why did you get sacked? You got sacked because of the drug scandal at Bath?" No, I didn't. So I, I would say that my mates suffering hit me harder than because you can rebuild the club 
Yeah. You can do that. You can get out there and play and we can influence what happens. But these guys are in a room suffering. And I must say that hit me and a couple of senior players a bit harder, but it affected our culture because we needed the club to be rock solid. And we came back for pre-season thinking, what's it going to be like? And our beloved coach had been sacked and it was like, what? This is, he was brilliant for us. We loved him. And why is he gone now? I can only imagine. Uh, it's very strange, though, that it all landed on Bakewell's shoulders. Uh, was there no representation from the RPA? Don't know. Don't know. No idea. I expect there was. Um, because... Again, we're on a holiday, right? So we're not in the club at all during this point because it's summer holidays. But it didn't all land on Bake's shoulders. He, he was the sort of guy that would say, right, let's get this sorted. Everyone come and see me. Let's talk about what you guys have done or haven't done, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. So and looking, club first. Yeah, he loved those guys, but it was club first. You guys need to go now. But you know? looking back at it, though, you must think then there's a lot of unanswered questions as to how did it get reported? Why were these guys um, targeted for uh, tests? I mean, what? There, there must the, o- the of- only the only thing, is, to be honest, mate. I, if I made a few phone calls tonight, I expect I could find out. Mm. But what what I think I'm going to find out is that someone I really care about um, saw the boys doing something they shouldn't have been doing or thought he did. And instead of saying, boys, let's sort this out, dobbed them in effectively. And you can argue that that is the right thing to do because, you know, if something awful is happening, you should tell somebody. Um, well, again, I'm not, I mean, we might have different view, d- different views on on this, but to me, it was a case of the punishment, if it was meted out, does, does, not, does not fit the crime. And it, it it just isn't something which you need to be banned for two years for. And it, it, I don't know, something sits very uneasy with me. I, th- I think I think I might be wrong here, JB, but I think it might be different now. I think there might be because um, the RPA are, are actually they're brilliant. Although they're a union, and what we do with unions and councils is we slag them off. Yeah, they are brilliant, and they are really genuinely good setup. And there's, I've got no vested interest in saying that. No, they just you, are very good at what you, they do. You are correct there. I have had Christian Day on. And he's actually explained the process, which is if it's off season, yeah, um, there is a different process for recreational drugs than if it's on season. Right. But even so, I just, you know, I, I must, I must say, I agree with you because it's, I, I, again, I don't, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs, but yeah. it, I think a two-year ban would be the same for steroids now, which is ridiculous. Yeah. So what, what these, you know, what these recreational drugs do is actually impair your performance. They make you worse. So, yeah. um. Anyway, that, that isn't, it's not physical performance isn't the only point. And you could argue that rugby players know better, but you should know better. And they're being paid for it and it's their job and their role mm. models and that sort of stuff. But it, if, you, if you refuse to accept that 50 blokes who are all professional rugby players, you know, none of those 50 blokes is going to be like any other bloke. They're all completely different and they're all machines who don't cock things up. Then you're hugely naive. They yeah. do cock things up. And, and that's the bit I don't like. They they make they make social mistakes just like you do, you know. And I I'm not saying everyone should be let off, but I I I personally agree with you. I think it's a it's a fucking stupid thing to do if you're a professional sportsman. But a two year ban, I don't know. It it feels. But then again, you have to have a deterrent because it's illegal, and millions of people watch these guys, and kids watch them. Yeah. So there are arguments both ways, you know. It's like I don't swear much on Twitter. No one's going to tell me off if I do, but kids follow me, you know? So there are kids there. I don't want my kids reading about this stuff, and I don't want my kids watching rugby when they get older. Well, you should send and so-and-so getting done for snorting coke and getting a 
a three month ban and everything's all right. I don't want them to think that's all right. Well, if you not. send send over your, send over your Twitter guidelines to Brian Moore, he could, uh, he could probably I love, do that. I love Moro. He's awesome, isn't he? I swear every now and again just to try and make <laughs> myself feel cool. But um, yeah, Moro's got it nailed. He's the man. But he's but he's different because he's about thirty five times more intelligent than I am. So. I try and avoid conversations or anything he's beyond tremen- barbecues with Moro. Tremendous on Twitter. I'll give him that. He's great, isn't he? Yeah, he is. great bloke. Mate, thank you so much for doing that. Um, oh, no worries. Great chat, and we're going to have to have you on again later on in the season and just see see how things are going. Yeah, anytime. Look forward to it. All Cheers, right, bud. mate. Cheers. Cheers, JB. Bye, mate. Flats. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.